You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Excited to share this uh, passage with you and get right through. And when, I, when I first started studying for this message, I, I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm finishing this chapter tonight. Then I started studying, and I'm like, maybe not. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 23. But look at a model, a model ministry. Paul's ministry that he explains how the Lord works in his life here, it's a model ministry in the fact that he's following what Jesus said to do, and it's a good example for us and a good reminder for us as well. I appreciate uh, recently uh, Zach uh, encouraged me. He sent me a uh, well, he called me and he was telling me about a fellow by the name of um, Gail, er- Gail Irwin. That's the fellow's name. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he just uh, wrote several books, Jesus Style, Father Style. But he, uh, I've been listening to him a lot ever since Zach told me about it. But he, he, he comes from an interesting perspective, but he emphasizes a lot the whole idea of, of what it means to be a servant, what it means to be first in the kingdom. And he's just got a unique style, and if you like if you like a little bit of humor in your learning and preaching and teaching, he's a really good one to listen to, I'll tell you that. Uh, but it's cool because this fits into some of those things because it's such a biblical principle. All right, Colossians 1, verse 23. I'm going to start here mainly emphasizing the last part of this verse. But if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached unto every creature under heaven... So what's he talking about there? He's talking about the gospel. The gospel which ye have heard, which was preached unto every creature, which is under heaven. Then this last statement, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So he's a minister of the gospel. He's been made a minister of the gospel. Then he goes on in verse number 24 and says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister. So he was made a minister of the gospel in verses 23 and 24. Now in 24 and 25, he was made a minister of the church according to the dispensation of God. Now, what's that mean, dispensation? The dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. And there's a great, great phrase right there, and I'd encourage you to underline it. Uh, That's a good principle I feel like you find there. Given to me for you. And you'll see kind of how that comes into play. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. 
I'll get to verse 29. Obviously, that'll be where we wrap up chapter 1. It's pretty appropriate, isn't it? The last verse of chapter 1 is where we'll wrap up chapter 1. But I, I think back to a couple of weeks ago when I was struggling to try to emphasize what it means for to really live for God and that it's not about our works, it's about His works in us. Boy, I wish I would have just read on and read verse number 29 because I'll just read it to you again. Whereunto I also labor. So he's doing works. He's striving. But how's he doing it? According to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So that's, that's the way we work, and the works that we do is God's work through us. But I'll back up talking about this work right now. I was emphasizing the fact that Paul said, I am a minister of the gospel, and I'm a minister of the church. And then he goes on down and says there in verse 29 that I'm laboring, and I'm striving, and I'm working. When I talk about a model ministry, I believe there's four specific ministries that Paul shows us in Colossians chapter number 1. And the reason I say it's a modeled ministry is because it reminds me of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 22, verse 27, where when Jesus said, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat? In our economy, we think of it that way. Who's greater, the one serving or the one being served? Jesus says, according to the world, it's the one being served. But then Jesus says, but I am among you as he that serveth. I am among you as he that serveth. Now, these verses that I'm sharing with you tonight, I'm sharing with you a group of verses that all share the same word. The word minister, when Paul said, I'm a minister of the gospel, I'm a minister of the church. When Jesus said, I'm among you as he that serveth, it's the same uh, word that's used there. Then also, when we are going to read the verse, word servant uh, here in a moment in Mark chapter number 9. Mark 9, verse 35. If you'd like to mark that down, you could turn over there, but I'll begin reading it. Mark 9, 35, the Bible says, And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. But he says in Mark 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 43, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Your minister. So he is encouraging service here. Ministering. Being a servant. Uh, being, a, being one that serves. You know, it's interesting when you study about the apostles that, um, you know, just things you think about, and this is one of the things I was talking about with uh, Gail Irwin recently, but just the funny to think about the fact that when you read about the apostles' conversations as they walked with the Lord, what was, what was going on in their, uh, their discourse most of the time? What were they normally doing? I'll ask you that in the course of their conversations. They were arguing. They were arguing. Uh, now, and then here's another good point. What were they arguing about? That's another interesting thing. 
because they were not arguing about the finer points of the gospel. They weren't arguing about election. They weren't arguing about eternal security. They were not uh, arguing about uh, eschatology in the end times. You know, I mean, at least you could, you could uh, have some respect if they were arguing about something like that. But does anybody know? Do y'all know what they were arguing about? Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who, who, who's the boss of this outfit? Who's the number two? they're arguing about all the time. They're trying to figure out who's the greatest. And, and the verses I read you from the Gospels, that's kind of the context. Jesus is letting them know, you want to be first? Well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be last. But then the last shall be first. You need to learn to serve. Jesus himself was the example. As he sat down there <laughs> with his disciples for a meal... And what would traditionally happen is if you were in a home that did not have a servant to come wash your feet, what would happen is the, lo the, the lowest person then that was in the group would be the one to wash the feet. So when the 12 apostles go to eat together, nobody washes anyone's feet. Why? Because no one wanted to admit well, he's out of the conversation now because if he goes washing feet, we know he's the lowest. So there, nobody's going to wash the feet. Um, and I'll, I'll preach more about these things during the days to come, but it's just interesting thinking about this context. So finally, who gets up to start washing the feet? Jesus. He gives us the example of service and what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is service. I am a minister. I am a servant. Um, the Greek word that's used there is diakonio. Diakonio. And that word just simply means th this particular word. There's a few different words for servant. There's doulos, which is the, uh, more of a, a stronger term for a slave. This term isn't quite as vivid as a picture of a, of a slave in change, but this is one that would be normally a minister in a house, a slave of the house or the property. This would be sometimes a steward, a slave that is entrusted with his master's goods. But he's going to give an account for his master's goods. Do you remember the story about that? Jesus would give, uh, he tells the story about giving, uh, the, the master giving uh, talents to his servants. Now remember, what he gives them is not theirs. He's given them something that's his. You go do something with it, and then you're going to give an account eventually for what you've been given. So imagine today that you were put in charge of a, uh, a store or uh, some sort of, uh, you know, venture. You're running that, but none of it is actually yours. It's all the master's. And there's coming a time where he's going to say, okay, how have you done running the business? How have you done with what I've given you to do? And so, so that word is used about 35 times in the New Testament, and about half of these are used uh, in the Gospels. Uh, the word again means obviously to serve, to minister, and it also literally means to wait tables, to wait tables. So you could see the picture that Jesus was giving there, one who waits tables. Um, 
angels, the Bible says, came and ministered to Jesus after his temptation. They came and served him. They came and gave him food and water. They came and ministered to him. Uh, Jesus did not come to be ministered to, uh, but to minister to others. After he healed Peter's mother-in-law, the Bible says he ministered to others in Mark 1.31. Uh, this term is also used in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. Anybody want to guess? I, I gave a big hint there on when this word would have been used. In other words, it means to serve, to minister, to wait tables. So when the church, if you remember, the apostles were having to answer some questions because there was a dispute within the church. Folks, disputes can happen within the church. And I appreciate a group of people that for going on 10 years now, and which is an awesome thing to say, have, have, have striven, uh, is that a word, uh, not to have uh, these, uh, these conflicts, these disputes rise up. We have disagreements. And we, we, and you think about the, the coolness of what God's allowed us to do here because we encourage people to let their voices be known, right? I mean, right here in Bible study, you, we, on these Wednesday nights sometimes, somebody will raise their hand and say, Preacher, I, I don't agree with that application of what you just said there. And I say, Well, why not? You know, I, I don't want people just to be these little robots that, oh, preacher said, preacher said, preacher said. Uh, you know, it's you need to learn it for yourself and know it for yourself. So we, we encourage, we encourage in our, in our meetings. And uh, it's not uncommon in some of our smaller meetings and team meetings that we'll have that I'll say, okay, somebody tell me why this is wrong. Somebody tell me why this won't work. I need somebody to think critically here. And by the way, thank God for those of you that just naturally do that. I mean, really. But I like to try to give you a, a, a meeting off every once in a while. And I'll try to ask Ron. Ron, tell me why this is a terrible idea. Uh, right? And, uh, and, and, and tell somebody else, you can take it off, let's just see, because I want you thinking uh, the other way. But ultimately, we, we, we know the bigger goal that we're striving toward. But I digress to say that there was contention that arose because the Greek widows, they were, they were serving the widows of the church, which God help us to make sure that we check on our widows. And I know that, uh, that the widows of our day may, may not fall under the category all the time of widows indeed of, of the Old Testament where, or in, in, the, in the Bible times to where a lot of times they would literally be destitute uh, as widows. But nevertheless, it's a good ministry of the church to check on um, Check in on the widows and see how they are doing. But the widows weren't being, the, the Greek widows, the Gentile widows weren't being taken, complained they weren't being taken care of as well as the Jewish widows. So there was this big fight and they brought it to the preacher. And, and the apostle said, man, it is not good. That's not what we need to be focused on. So what did they look for? They, God said, okay, you need to seek out some men. What kind of men? And here's what we're going to call them. Deacons. It's the exact same word. It's minister. It's servant. It is literally table waiter. We need somebody who would willingly wait these tables. And uh, so that's the term of a deacon. And, uh, you know, I, I've said this before. I think it's an interesting thing. When the church got up to 3,000 is when they decided they needed seven deacons. Um, right? But, you know, but, but now here at the same time... Um, 
a, a deacon is a good servant role. And, and the reason, I believe it's an honorable role because if, if and when the time comes to where we actually designate and vote an actual deacon into, you know, and, and choose a man to be a deacon, what that man is simply saying is, I am committed to be a servant. I am committed. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa preacher. Hold on, church. A, a table waiting issue has arrived. Don't worry about it. I got this. Amen. It's somebody who actually commits and does. So, so there, it's an honorable position. And it's too bad that through time, it's kind of changed, right, in some people's minds. Matter of fact, uh, I don't know about what your background is, but with uh, some of the Baptist background that I've had through the years, deacons have got a terrible reputation. In most cases I've known, they've earned every bit of it. Uh, I'm, I kid you not. Uh, there's a reason. There's a Baptist university, and I put that in quotes a little bit, to, to where they are in this day and age. But there's a Baptist university in North Carolina at Wake Forest, North Carolina. And anybody want to know how far they went when they named their, uh, what their mascot was going to be? It's a deacon. But what kind of deacon is it, Ralph? A demon deacon. A demon deacon is the mascot for Wake Forest uh, Athletics uh, for this Baptist school. And it's this mean old, you know, crotchy looking old man and everything because that's kind of the reputation that these guys have earned over the years. But that is not what a deacon really is. A deacon is somebody who just designates to serve. And to this point of our ministry, I'm glad that we've got a lot of people that are willing to spread the service around and understand that we are all ministers for the Lord. Uh, but the concept of Christian service is derived from the person of Jesus and His gospel. This concept of Christian service involves fellow believers and neighbors and is the outworking of fellowship. We live in a world, and I'm telling you, this road right here is inundated with it to a level that many of us aren't. This row and Ava, all right? Uh, is they're inundated with, onto a level that we're not oftentimes, and that's it. You need to make, you need to make sure, do whatever it takes to, get, to secure your happiness. It's not about others, it's about you. What do you want to do? What are you comfortable with? And, uh, you know, it's, it's all this self-centered Look out for you. You're number one. You're, you're, the, you're, you're what really matters. But I'm telling you, there's, there's, it's no surprise that so, the, the youth of our generation, the youth of this coming generation struggle with loneliness and depression and feelings of, of, of hopelessness and not belonging. Why? Because they get, they're told so often one of the reasons why. It's not the only reason why. But they're, they get so self-centered. And not, number one, Christ-centered. Number two, other-centered. You know where you really find joy and fulfillment? It's not in just doing whatever makes you feel good. It's trying to think about a way to be a blessing to somebody else. It's when you serve and pour your life in to somebody else's life. And you do it, and you do it for the glory of God. You don't do it and then go brag to everybody how, well, how much you've been sacrificing lately. Um, you know, I mean, we, you, just, you just do it. You serve. Young people, serve. Do something good for somebody else. Well, it's inconvenient for me. So what? You're a servant. You're a minister. Uh, it's, it's not about you. I tell every one of you, it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about Christ. 
It's about His kingdom. And I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed and you want to have success, don't seek you. Seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek to be a blessing to others. And here's what I will promise you. The, the fulfillment that you hope to have, you will find in serving Christ. That's where true joy comes from. You're not going to find it in just doing, I mean, you know, I, I, how many marriages today are based on that? How many homes are wrecked because of that? People seeking their own, and, all, and what they do is they just end up seeking destruction. Okay, so let's look at a few ways that Paul served. Uh, number one, the Bible says he served in the gospel. We read that already. The Bible says he was a minister of the gospel. Verses 24 and 25, a minister of the gospel. Paul had been made a minister by God, and he had been given a stewardship. And I, I guess I'm going to have to not say a whole lot about these other ones and just hone in on this, kind of come full circle to where I started from. Notice what he says here in verse number 25, whereof I, Paul, and made a minister according to the dispensation of God. Now, has anybody used that word dispensation this week? I sure haven't. That's not one of those words that we commonly use. The dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Dispensation, uh, I think if we, the word we would use for that today would probably be administration. Now, when you think of administration, what comes to your mind when you hear administration? Government, I, that, that's what comes to my mind too. You may think of, uh, you know, maybe a, a boss, the business or whatever, uh, but I think of that too because we always talk about the Biden administration or the Trump administration, the Reagan administration. The word dispensation goes along with that. And it's interesting because the word is also stewardship. Stewardship. You say, well, how in the world does that line up? Well, think about it, if you will, from the presidential side of things. When a person is elected president of the United States, I'm just going to move on. When a person is in the office of the president of the United States, he has a big job. His job is to run the country, to lead the country. But the administration is those people he puts around him to help him run the country. That's where you get all these different secretaries and, and, and different leaders that are under, under him. That's his administration. That's his dispensation because those people have been given a stewardship. The power ultimately is, and the responsibility is his, but he shares it with these others because for him it's too big of a job. Therefore, a president must have an administration to carry out uh, his uh, goals or executive orders. But, uh, but, but the idea of administration is helping him, helping him carry out. He has, he has made things in such a way. Now, this is cool. What, how would you answer the question today? I just said a moment ago it's not about you. But does God need you? I want to say no, because it kind of sounds a little wrong to say, well, of course God needs me, you know. 
You know that guy, don't you, at work? This company needs me, you know. Uh, or, or, or that person in the home. I mean, but guess what? Uh, I wasn't trying to trick anybody there, but God has made it. Our sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God has made things in such a way to where He needs you. Now, you study it. I, I'm not telling you to believe me. I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, look at it, study it, find out for yourself. But the truth of the matter is that He needs us. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Now, in the scheme of things, it's not like our God is Joe Biden. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Biden felt like shouting all day. It's right there. Amen. And, I, and I'll say I'm glad it's not like our God's Donald Trump. I'll shout again on that one. Amen. Uh, so it's not for the same purpose. God doesn't need us in the sense that he's, he, that he's um, inherently limited. It's not that God is just like, well, I can't do it. But it's that God has chosen to need us. God has chosen. I mean, you think about it. Um, I mean, man, this, this could sound wrong. Okay, but I, I'll, I'll apply it to somebody else. Okay. We're talking about missionaries tonight. Who is going to go to Burkina Faso uh, and start a church if Brother Shoemaker don't do it? Well, maybe somebody else does, but my point is God doesn't go start churches on His own. Let me ask you this. With y'all, the people that y'all are around at school, at work, whatever the case may be, have you ever noticed God walking around the hall sharing the gospel with people there? You ever seen that? Doesn't happen, does it? How are they going to hear the gospel? You? Me? How are Christians, how's the church going to grow? God says in the book of Ephesians that He gave the church pastors, teachers, to, 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 to admonish and to teach the church. We don't just come here and wait for God to come down and teach and preach and lift us up. God has made it in His wisdom, in His sovereignty, in His all-knowing ways. So we're, we're not discrediting God. We're giving glory to God here. And we're saying that God needs you. It's easy for, for one of you young people to say, well, God doesn't need me, so I'm just going to do my own thing. No, God needs you, so you need to do God's thing. And that goes for all of us. Who's going to preach? Who's going to be a missionary? Who's going to do that? God needs us to do it. And, and that, that would be a great lesson all in, in and of itself. But how does He do it? He does it by giving us something. Notice, notice some of the wording that Paul used right there. The Bible says, for one thing, in verse 23, I am made a minister. I don't have the ability in and of myself. I am made a minister here. Uh, in verse number 25, he says, I am made a minister. And in verse 24, no, I'm sorry, in verse 25 there again, he gives a little bit more detail about how he was made a minister. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. Now again, to the stewardship of God. God has given me something, notice this, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. 
to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So I have been given a stewardship. So it's not that God just says, boy, I mean, <laughs> I just think about me. It's not like, again, that God's in heaven saying, boy, I sure would like to do this, but man, I just don't have those gifts that old Jesse Haley has. I tell you, there's never been a time ever that God's ever thought that. But here's what God's looking for. He's looking for some ministers. He's looking for some deacons. He's looking for some deaconesses. That word's in the Bible, ain't it, deaconess? He's looking for some servants, some ministers. He's looking for somebody to report for duty. He's looking for somebody who will say, here am I. Lord, send me. What do you need today, Lord? See, we're stewards. Now, what, what are we going to do? Again, this idea of a deacon, of, of this minister, this table server, this is one who would minister a lot of times within the house. There would be things put into his hands that he would use to minister to other people. Every one of us has been given some things over which we are stewards. I, lo I love uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 11 where the Bible says, the, the Apostle Paul says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which, what, listen to this wording. This is 1 Timothy 1.11, which was committed to my trust. The glorious gospel of Christ, which was committed to my trust. What's this talking about? God's given us something. Everyone who is saved has been given the commitment of the gospel, the glorious gospel. And therefore, we need to do what with that gospel? We need to minister to people with it. We need to share it with somebody. Every one of us need to share the gospel with somebody. Preacher, that scares me. Ask God to help you not be scared. Right? Uh, preacher, I don't know enough. You don't have to learn much. You know, you do not need to learn. You do not need to be a Bible trivia wizard to lead somebody to Christ. Okay? Uh, or which, for that matter. You don't have to be that to lead somebody to Christ. Just learn the, just learn the basic gospel. All men are sinners. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus came to pay that penalty. The penalty of sin is death, physical death, spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God, which is hell. But Jesus came to pay the price. To make reconciliation. He, he came to down the cross to pay the penalty. He bought the gift of salvation. He died. He rose again the third day. So that if you would just simply turn to him, he'll save you. What if they ask me about, you know, Abel's wife or cousin? Uh... You, you don't need to worry about those answers to those questions. You, let me ask you, 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 let me give you some really good advice. If you're trying to talk to somebody about Christ, Ralph, and they ask you a question about something you don't know, do you know what you say to that? Anybody? I don't know. There you go. What do I say if they ask me this? Say, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that we're all sinners. But that Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. 
and that he, that, that he, that he rose again the third day and that, that, that if you'll turn to him, I mean, call on his name, ask for forgiveness, he'll save your soul. Yeah, but you know, what about this? What about Pangea, you know? I don't know her. But what I do know is I know Jesus. I know we're all sinners. Amen? Grab a gospel tract. I mean, I'm just telling you, there, there's a lot of things we're stewards over. The gospel is one of them. I like what the, the, Paul's perspective here in 1 Corinthians 9, 9, 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I'm, I'm going to try to close this up tonight with a question, and then I'll try to give you a closing verse and see if we can call that good. How many stewards are here tonight? Okay, Deidre's count, try, I'll get Deidre to say she's doing a head count, all right? We're all stewards, every one of you, which means what? You have been given something. You have been given something by God that doesn't belong to you, that you haven't earned, you have been given something by God. You're a steward, something that's not your own, and you're going to give an account for it one day. Now, anybody real quick, what are some things that we are stewards over? In other words, things that has been given to us by God, to me, for you, something that's been given to us by God that we're supposed to use to minister. Anybody think of some things that we're stewards over? Our bodies, finances, that's right, I, I, that's one of the ones I think of, you know, we're stewards of what we get. You know, okay, lest you ever get this in your mind, you know, I, I remember one year, it was, or one day it was so funny, I was out and I was witnessing some folks and I came across this uh, man and uh, uh, I asked him about his salvation and, and he handed me a piece of paper, he was ready for me, he had something written out there on why he didn't feel like he needed Christ. It was the weirdest thing ever when I was in Pierre. And he says, he says, I don't need God. By the way, I mean, I, I don't know. I think about some of you that were at from out further west or whatever, and it can be around here too. But man, you, you meet a lot of the people that came out to this part of the country were people that came out here because they didn't need no help from anybody. Right? Then you start telling them you're not good enough. You can't do it on your own. They'll say, watch me. Watch me. So this man says to me, I believe the man's name was Jan. I honestly do. If I remember, I'm not even kidding. And, uh, and, but he says to me, he said, uh, he said I, I, I'm, I got up. I went to work. I paid for this uh, trailer house. I, I, I've done what I've done. I, didn't, I did all that without God. And I said, well, let me ask you this, Jan. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, who put the breath in your lungs? I said, when you went to bed at night, who kept your heart beating, buddy? And I said a couple of things to him. Bless his heart. You know what he said? You're good. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be good. I was just trying to make a point. But we've given our, our body, finances. I mean, that body takes in a lot of things, don't it? Children. Low children are an heritage of the Lord. Dads, moms, these kids aren't ours. Man, you talk about getting sobering sometimes. I'm going to give an account one day, and God's going to say, I've given you Evan. 
and Natalie and Hannah and Caitlin, have you done there? Now, let me tell you this right quick. I can't do nothing about anything that's been done up to this point. But man, I still got some time I can do with what I have. You've been given, you're a steward. Your very life, your time. This is my time. I got to get some free time. Sure, I'll give this, I'll come give this hour or two to the Lord at church. And I'll give this hour or two to the Lord. No. Well, that may be all you give, but the fact of the matter is it's all His. And by the way, you want to know something? He could take it at any moment. Every bit of it's God's. Richard, a moment ago, mentioned our finances. You know, we, well, we know the tenth is the Lord's. Well, that's true. But the hundredth is the Lord's too. It's all the Lord's. Uh, he blesses us with every bit of it. He gives us the strength. You say, well, I'm so smart. You, you wouldn't believe. I, I'm so smart. I figured out how to make this money. I killed it in school. I did all this, blah, blah, blah. How'd you get that? I've studied. Yeah, but how did you learn? I mean, God's given you this ability. The Bible says literally, what's it say? That he gives you the strength, the power to get, get wealth. He's the one that gives you that strength, that power. Okay, we're stewards. And I'm going to read a verse. This is the verse I said I'd read to you, or I guess it's two. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit, the whole kit and caboodle. Don't know what that is, but I know it means everything. He has it all. So therefore, I asked how many stewards are among us. Now, how many ministers are among us? It ought to be all of us. By God's grace, we need to all say, here I am. You know why? Because he owns us anyway. Every bit of it. This body, our time, everything we have is his. So we just need to say, Lord, here. I present myself to you. I want to serve you. Lord, I, I, I'll do anything for you. You don't have to raise your hand here answer me. But has anybody ever been scared to surrender all to the Lord? Let's all stand as we, uh, I was asking you this final question here. I'd be, I would actually be a little surprised if there's anyone who hasn't been scared about that. I'm just saying. That scared me. So, I mean, I struggled big time over that for some time. I want to, because, you know, we, 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 we like, I surrender except for this. Don't want to give that. Uh, how about this? I mean, you know, I think about Michael. I think me and him both uh, thought about this before. Not married, you know, when we were younger and, and thinking, Lord, I want to surrender all to you. What if God don't want me to get married? What if God wants me to marry somebody ugly? Well, that happened to my wife, amen, and you can look at her smile now and how happy she is about it. Uh, one of my big things was, what if I surrender and God sends me to South Dakota? And it's minus 20 degrees. I never, I, I may have thought that before. 
I mean, before I came. But let me tell you something, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I really wouldn't. We were, wa we were watching something the other night. I can't remember what it was. There was something popped up. Oh, well, I think it was Will of Fortune. Now, anyway. Uh, but somebody won a trip to Anguilla. I've told you before, Anguilla, and they were showing pictures of that. And we were sitting there, and I said, Evan, I said, that's, that's, that's where you could have been. I, I was working and praying about going to Anguilla. But God said, no, not Anguilla. I said, South Dakota. Ain't that something? But I wouldn't trade it. But you know why? Because I went where God wanted me to go. But I'm just here to tell you that it was hard for me when I would be in a place like where you are and I would be challenged to surrender all. So could you come play that? You know I surrender all. Do we play sing that? If I'll do it a cappella, if not, that's fine. Uh, I, when I was challenged to do, I, I'm sorry about putting people on the spot. I'm the worst. Uh, our dear players and speakers and everything else, but I, it, it scared me. I am thankful for the day that I was finally able to say, now let me tell you something, I've got to do it repeatedly. But there was really a big point in my life to where I was really willing to say, Lord, I surrender all. You know, I've given the, I've given the illustration, and you'll hear me uh, give it again. But I give the old illustration. Look at that, right on the spot, huh? Thank you, Sonia. I'll tell you, the, the, the reward for these folks is going to be just something for me being the preacher. But I've given this illustration before. I, I say this, I, I say it over here to everybody on this side. I said to everybody on this side. I think about it for you. But you ever signed a contract of any kind? An agreement? And you read, you read every line, of course. Um, seldom we do those things. But, but that's how we want to be with God. We want to say, Lord, I'll surrender to you. Just don't do this. So some of you over here might be saying, man, I, oh, this, I've been wanting to go into this field my entire life. Gail Irwin we were talking about. Gail Irwin was a, a smart kid, smart kid in a Midwestern farming community, if I remember correctly. Poor family, but he was very smart. The point to where he was going uh, to school to be a doctor. And... Uh, the, uh, the bank was going to help pay his way to get there. The local bank, I mean, the people were chipping in. People were doing this, all this and that. And all of a sudden, everybody was behind, excited about sending this boy out of a small town to be a doctor. Right in the middle of that, God said, well, no, no. I don't really want you to be a doctor. A doctor is a noble calling. But I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a preacher. What if God wants you to be a preacher? If you're a female, that's not a concern. But he may want you to be a missionary. He wants you to uh, go to the foreign mission field. There's great, great needs. You don't have to preach. He may want you to be a missionary. But he may not. He may, he may call you to do exactly what you want to do, what you think you want to do. But the point is you need to surrender to him, all right? And turn this piece of paper around is because here's how it ought to go. Before God... I sign my name at the bottom of this blank piece of paper. And, and every one of us tonight have got a spiritual blank piece of paper tonight. And we just sign our name at the bottom of that paper and we lay it on the altar and we just say, God, you fill in the details. Where do you want me to go? I've, my, my signature's on there. 